Night Wastelanders and Vault Dwellers. Welcome back to the Fallout Lorecast. This week, I have a very special guest. We're kind of breaking it up a little bit. It's been a while since I've had a guest to do an interview on the show, but this is an old friend. This is somebody I had an opportunity to talk with about, it must have been four or five months ago at this point, uh, on the Fallout Hub, but this is my first opportunity to bring him into this show, and you will know him from his... YouTube videos, and as I like to call him, uh, Mr. Head, we'll, I'll say officially Juice Head. Welcome to the show. How's it going? All right. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for letting me call you Mr. Head still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, welcome to the show. This is the Fallout Lorecast, of course, and we talk about Fallout lore and those kinds of things, uh, of course, but that doesn't mean that we don't also talk about things that are happening in Fallout 76 in the current state of the Fallout games and the community and those kinds of things. I, I like to kind of tap into that every so often. And one of the topics that I uh, tackled not too long ago on the show was the the Brotherhood in 76 and how that makes sense, how that's connected to the West Coast and the events that happened in or that we know about happened right around the time of the the great war and those kinds of things. And I know from uh, watching your videos and kind of keeping my ear to the ground, and I know you're, you're way more plugged in with this stuff than I am, that there is definitely some brotherhood stuff in the works for 76 that we're going to be most likely seeing uh, pretty soon. Uh, there's probably a time yeah. frame that you're a little bit more aware of than I am on that. Can you, um, can you uh, tell me about, some of that stuff, like, well, what do we know about what's coming and what, you know, what, what do we know for sure? And what seems to be kind of up in the air and kind of speculation? Yeah, sure. So it is interesting because we actually don't know that much. Like we know there are definitely some concrete things, but at least comparatively to other DLCs, there's still a lot kind of in the dark. So we know this brotherhood introduction is kind of a three um, or almost a four, like, there's several uh, stages to it. So in the next couple of weeks, and Bethesda already released this, I forget the exact date, sometime in August, we have the, uh, what is it called? Like retaking Atlas or whatever the Atlas Observatory event is that's on their community roadmap. They just recently posted, mm -hmm. but that's in two waves, which like we, that was known about for a while because a lot of stuff was data mined around Atlas and retaking Atlas from the PTS and everything. But one, we don't exactly know why it's in two waves or what the two different, like one week there's, I think it's called alpha stage. Then a week later, there's a Bravo stage. So what's the difference? Interesting. What, yeah. Yeah. So in the files now, it seems pretty clear that probably in the alpha stage, there's going to be a new NPC there named Russell Dorsey. And actually right now in the game, if you go to Atlas Observatory, you could find a note from Russell Dorsey just basically saying like, oh, I had to go do some errands. I'll be back later. <laughs> BRB guys. New robot. Yeah, had to, literally. Had to go but, take a poo. <laughs> and it, it, there's like a new tent there and some new robots there. And it seems like that will more or less be uh, donating junk to the Brotherhood because the Brotherhood kind of called ahead to Appalachia, so kind of them to say, mm -hmm. hey, we're on our way. Give us a bunch of free stuff so when we get there, we'll have all this free stuff. And it seems like that's that's going to be part of this event. And there's actually unique rewards, which and almost all of this, you can kind of see in the trailer they just recently released. Yeah. So there's going to be a new collectron, um, a new hat uh, or beret, technically, and some fatigues that are like just have a Brotherhood of Steel logo on them. So but that's really kind of all we know, like as far as factual, like th that'll be there. And then there's also some Elder Maxon transmissions that maybe we have to decode. And maybe that's like the Bravo side or like the second stage of that event. But outside of that, it's kind of like all open ended, which is pretty interesting to me. Yeah. So this uh, this perks my um, lore antenna. I need that. I need to make that a thing. I should put that on a T-shirt. Like robots <laughs> yeah. lore antenna. Um, so we have we do know from the background of the world and, and what's going on that uh, Maxon was in communication with Taggarty and Taggarty yep. in 76 uh, was led Taggarty's thunder and basically decided, okay, I, this seems like a crazy idea, but over time Maxon was able to uh, 
keep communicating with her and eventually influenced her to join the brotherhood and take on the ideals of the brotherhood. And Mm -hmm. they um, started a group in Appalachia and then they didn't survive. Right. That's kind of the, the story that we have so far. So do we, do we know or, or is it just speculation as to what this group of the Brotherhood is that's coming back to Appalachia or coming in for the first time? Is it is it a contingency force from the West Coast that has been sent over or do, do we have any information on that at all? Yes, I think it's all but confirmed based on the data mines. It is from the West Coast. I forget the exact wording because like we have... The first transmission, which is from what will be known as Paladin Romani, and she is leading something known as the first expeditionary force, which is the force coming from somewhere. Okay. So then later, there are transmissions from Maxon to Paladin Romani and the first expe- expeditionary force. And apparently something happens where they stopped communicating back to the West Coast Brotherhood of Steel. And then uh, Maxon and friends are kind of like, hey, what's going on? But it seems to indicate, I forget the exact wording uh, in it, is like, it it does kind of clearly say, all right, these guys are from the West Coast. The Brotherhood are from the West Coast. And there's also some dialogue with this new NPC, Russell Dorsey, who likely will be meeting in a couple of weeks. So we'll get some answers in just a couple of weeks that I think also might confirm they're actually walking from the West Coast. Wow. So, okay. So uh, they're, they're, it's like a ground transport. It's not like they sent vertebrates across or the country I, I, or something. Actually, yeah, no, I don't actually know. We, we don't know I, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't think they specify. Although I wanted to get back some, to something you said before. I don't think, technically speaking, we know for a fact the Brotherhood in Appalachia were wiped out. And I think that's something they could like kind of play on in the future, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they, but hypothetically, the Brotherhood reappears in the region if there's a few stragglers that didn't die to the scorched and the scorched plague that could make an interesting npc or just a companion or something with the larger dlcs on the way yeah yeah i guess i guess it is all that is also speculation because we come across the remains of the brotherhood but that doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are gone i guess the the organization in the area was functionally wiped out but yeah we don't know if like each individual was wiped out right Right. Yeah, that's a solid point. So, so, okay. So this, this character that you've mentioned that we're probably going to be meeting in the next few weeks, what was his name again? Russell Dorsey. Russell Dorsey. Do we know if he is connected with the brotherhood or if he is just somebody who is, uh, communicating with them or. I don't even think it's Scott. He's basically just like a fanboy. He, Oh, okay. Yeah. He intercepted the signal of Paladin Romani and they said, Hey, we're coming to Atlas, get supplies ready for us. And then it's now his mission to do that. And I even think there is going to be dialogue where he kind of says, uh, I hope they like me or something like it, it's alluded to. <laughs> he's like he a perspective member. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, he, man. And I don't think he's even been able to contact them, at least based off what we see thus far. Like it's just a one way he received the message. We'll likely also get to listen to the message uh, via the radio and game. He's just kind of the. I guess, quest giver in a way that is going to exist for this little uh, mini event that's coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got me speculating on this, like two different waves. Maybe there's Mm -hmm. a like collection and, you know, build, you know, prepare the way kind of wave or phase. And then there's maybe the, they arrive phase that could be part of it. Um, It's also interesting. And that's cut you off that. The Paladin Romani messages, so the ones that first pop up saying, hey, we're on the way, they're kind of like messed up, which could be a factor. Um, I don't know how to, like there's interference of some right, kind. Right. So, so in the files, there's like, I think probably five different actual audio files. One of them's clear, which you could just data mine and listen to the clear one. But then there are the four others that have different parts of it. Like, let's say they have the first word, the third word, and the sixth word. So oh. it might be a thing where you kind of have to like put it all together. You know yeah. What I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're finding bits and pieces. And then once you collect all the pieces, you can actually hear the, the fixed yeah. version or something. But then Russell also does know almost all of that information. So maybe that was something 
they were thinking about doing, but then kind of scrapped, or maybe Russell will just populate with dialogue options once we figure it out. It's not totally clear how they'll handle that. And also all the Roger Maxson uh, communication is totally encrypted in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I recently made a uh, Roger Maxson for president shirt and I put it on. I'm sorry. Isn't it Arthur? I always get them confused. I think it's uh, Roger. Roger Maxson's the, okay. Yeah. The one. Uh, I believe I get them confused. I as always well. just refer yeah. to him as Maxon, so I honestly right. don't even. <laughs> right, yeah. All of the names have this like very uh, masculine quality, you know, like yeah, Roger yeah. Maxon, Arthur Maxon, you know, like yeah, they exactly. kind of yeah they get mushed up in my my head too. Um, man, that's okay. So this is interesting because this has gotten me uh, speculating on some things. Like if if they lost communication, that could have been like they had some sort of portable radio and it was damaged along the way, or they, maybe they were actually traveling by Vertibird and yeah. it crashed. And that's what the radio was part of was the actual, sh- like the ship itself, the air vehicle mm-hmm. itself. And, um, they had to then hoof it the rest of the way. And had yeah. they made it there in time, maybe they would have been able to reinforce Taggarty and fight the scorched because maybe that was the plan. Like this could have, this could evolve in lots of different ways. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that this is kind of exciting because, uh, you know, I like to speculate on like, what are we going to get? How are we going to see things happen? Um, but, yeah. Well, that is the giant question. Why are they coming? Right. Right. Like, the fun, like is it a, uh, you know, are they trying to avenge Taggarty, take out the Scorched once and for all? Or is it some technology in the area? There's a bunch of nukes in the area. Yeah, well, there you go. There are a bunch of nukes in the area. That's something that we absolutely do know. Is that Or Atlas itself is a weather control station. Like, mm-hmm. I doubt that location's lore will just be discarded. You know what I mean? Like, why did they pick that place? Of all the places right. in the area, they could have. Why there? Right. As opposed to West Tech or, uh, or you know, the university 76. or yeah, one of the vaults. So yeah, like there's, yeah. there's, I, I guess it makes sense though, because, um, based on the communications that they've had with Taggarty, they would know that there are a number of interesting hotspots yeah. in the area that have not necessarily been nuked and are probably prime locations to find the kinds of tech and gear that the brotherhood is looking for. Yeah. And it is, I, I don't know the exact number, but it is years of communication, even though as we play the game, it kind of just all happens in yeah. that one day. Right. Like they, the 25 years prior, I, they brother had died at some point, but they had years of communicating back and forth west to east coast. Right. Right. Which would have been plenty of time to to mount a uh, a, a travel between the two mm-hmm. areas, even if it was by ground. Um Yeah. You know, you can you could put a caravan together like it took months for like in the old west for somebody to travel from one coast to the other coast. You could do it. You could do something like that, assuming that you don't come across raiders or, you know, scorched beasts or whatever else happens to be in between the two locations. Mm -hmm. Um, You could still make that happen. It wouldn't be easy, but a bunch of, you know, paladins and knights with well-equipped gear could make the trip. Yeah. It also, I do wonder what they'll look like, I guess. Like, we have this idea of the Brotherhood of Steel, but we've never actually seen this Brotherhood of Steel. Like, they're kind of young relative. Yeah. We've seen them a couple hundred years later. Like I su- I'm sure Bethesda will probably just go for the typical, but they could not. There could be some twist, a different power armor. I'm, well, that will probably happen, but... Yeah, yeah, for, um, you know, uh, for, for all of us who are looking for even more ways to deck out our own characters and things for sure um but yeah it makes sense that you would have uh a better maybe more well-equipped less jaded version of the brotherhood at this Mm -hmm. point um because they haven't been surviving in the wasteland Uh, they've they've had a few decades to kind of rally and form their core group and start operating but they haven't been you know fighting and fighting and fighting for survival yeah. for you know a hundred years at this point as the yeah. technology becomes more and more limited and they have to continue repairing the items they currently have and all of that mm-hmm. so yeah that that could be very different as well um it, it makes me wonder if there are like I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking back to the lore about them at mariposa and then they move to the other uh army bases in the area 
if they had access to other army bases, then they might very well have been able to stylize and upgrade the the suits of armor that they had in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So that could be something as well, or you know, or um, bring other weaponry and things yeah, that, that were huge. Yeah, that were like you know uh, tested at these locations that weren't necessarily rolled out yet, but that the military yeah. may have been aware of were there. So. Or even it's an easy opportunity to add the service rifle to Fallout 76. There you go. Because that was huge on the West Coast, or at least in the past games, it was huge on the West Coast, but we've yet to see it on the East Coast, really. Well, I guess we kind of did, but not in the two more modern ones. Yeah, or uh, Sunset Sarsaparilla. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> Maybe somebody brings some Sunset Sarsaparilla with them, and they're like, wait, you guys don't have this over here? We're like, yeah, we, got, yeah. we got new cola, but that's, that's it. That those are those things like I would love to see them do it just because it'd be such a simple and easy throwback. Like what, all you have to do is create a different colored bottle, but fans would love that kind of stuff with the steel C. So I yeah, with a new logo and all that. So, yeah. okay. So this opens up other possibilities here. One of the things that, um, that I love speculating about is how they're going to continue to grow this game in the future. And we know that they're committed to adding more stuff. They're community, you know, they're committed to, you know, new seasons, all of these mm-hmm. things that they're, they're working through. And you look at the the past ways that games like Elder Scrolls Online have built that out. They've added new zones to the map and things yeah. like that, right? So that means that there's all sorts of ways they could do that. They could take the the map that we have and potentially extend it out in a, in a direction or two. I would assume, though, that they're not going to do that because that creates more burden on the servers. Yeah, because you or don't, at least not yet. Not yet. You know, everything still has a limited amount of items you can hold and there's a limited amount of camps that you can put on the map mm-hmm. and, and players that can fit on the map and, and servers have to go down for maintenance regularly, all of that stuff. Yeah. So to make up make the currently huge map even bigger seems a little bit silly, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't instance sections. And if they start instancing sections, that doesn't mean that we couldn't not only move, you know, geographically somewhere directly next to West Virginia, but we could go all sorts of places, including DC or New York or the Commonwealth or, you know, uh, New Vegas or, you know, yeah, any, yeah. any of Anywhere. these other, you know, uh, you know, what if we end up at the Boneyard? What if we end up in Los Angeles and, yeah. you know, we actually get to visit and see what the Brotherhood is doing on the West Coast because this force that is, has been sent over to Appalachia is establishing some sort of, base and connection to the things going on in the west coast and all of a sudden there's the opportunity for transit between the two because the brotherhood are functionally capable of doing that at this time in history although it i guess that would raise the question what happens next like all right obviously the brotherhood are gonna arrive like that's a given at this point but then just based off the naming something fractures so what what is that fracture? Yeah, like I I could see it hypothetically being a disconnect between the West and East Coast because I guess it's an easy out to uh, because obvi- the Brotherhood doesn't have a presence here. Come a hundred years later, two hundred years later, in some of these other games, so right. I could see maybe kind of them dividing off again or something there. But yeah, no. Or although there is that expeditions. Um, I don't even know what it's called. It's like a feature that's coming where I just assume that's going to be out of map exploration of some kind, right? Like, then yeah. So, so what, what do like we know about job. that? Cause this is something I'm not, I'm not too plugged into yet. Um, nothing, nothing other than the, the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a thing that is from the NDA portion of the PTS that never went public. Like when the PTS still had an NDA and mm-hmm. there was data mines going on. I remember it. like there was some stuff. It was like a bunch of the season stuff was there. But then once the PTS became the public TS, then uh, <laughs> like all the season stuff was removed. So it was like some people, if you were following the data mines, you knew what the season was. You had an idea as to some like the board game and stuff. The pictures were found. But so but technically, yeah, we don't know anything about expeditions. I just think with the Brotherhood seeking technology. It's called an expedition. It'll take us out of the map. 
But yeah. as to how that would work, I have no idea. I could see it being kind of like, are you familiar with the Fallout uh, Creation Club, Fallout 4 Creation Club? Mm-hmm. The little Fallout 3 area they added? No, this is not something I've I've messed with, no. Yeah, it's like one of the more recent ones, but more or less, it's you have a mission in Fallout 4 to go to uh, GNR, the GNR building. And I, I think you kill a bunch of town company mercs or something. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's like really small. It's just a little part of the map from Fallout 3. I could totally see them using that same idea. It's like an outdoor dungeon of sorts. Yeah. You kind of just go to and fight in Fallout 76, except it's not. In, it's in some other place. Yeah. Yeah. And then little instanced uh, exterior locations that are, are yeah, small yeah. And, and fit like a, a small group of people at a time. But technically, we don't really know anything. Yeah. And, and you know, um, from the uh, Fallout, uh, uh, the mobile game. Uh, mm-hmm. Shelter. Shelter. Fallout Shelter. Yeah. They, they have something very similar with that, with the quest that you go yeah, on. Yeah. You send people out. They go do your thing. Uh, yeah, literally come back. That, basically. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. And if they were to do that, they could have any potential size. Like you could have um, something uh, going back to ESO. You could have the size of something like a Delve. That is something maybe you could go do by yourself and it, mm-hmm. it takes you a few minutes to run through it. You fight the enemies, you collect whatever gear, things you find, you head back, you get a little snippet of the story, you're done. But then you can have something like a public dungeon, which you and four friends, you know, you, you in total of four or five friends, whoever, whatever the size of the group is, go and do together. But then you can have like, you know, actual main dungeons and then you can have trials where you bring yeah. in, you know, eight, 16 people and you have to like root out some sort of you know major enemy in a, in an area yeah um that could i mean you could turn that into all sorts of different things but if that was the case you could go anywhere mm-hmm. yeah I, the, I would assume they would stick nearby just because but and i but that's the kind of likes the east coast but yeah like you go to boston you go to dc go to the pit yeah yeah, I mean, there are a lot of locations that we have had in in DLC also for these, yeah. these kinds of places. You know, who knows if you have the Brotherhood involved and they have vertebrate technology, they could fly places. You could even go to Alaska. You could. Yeah, you could visit anything. You could get <laughs> you could have a version of this where you get like abducted by aliens and you have to fight off the aliens like Mothership yeah. Zeta. You know, like you could turn this in and whatever wacky craziness that you wanted to. Which that's another, I think, point on this that could be interesting is like, will there, where, well, I can't speak, will there be anything around the alien like nods? Like, will it ever actually come to fruition? And could it come to fruition this year with one of these DLCs? Like we saw the Guidestones um, and then just, I feel like in general, there's been kind of this alien presence in Fault 76 that hasn't been fully explored. Yeah, uh, the mini yeah. interloper that was just found, the like Flatwoods monster, get? of course. Yeah, yeah. So I, w- I don't, I, I could see that being a thing. I don't know if it would be a thing with this. I mean, obviously, with the Brotherhood and technology, that connection is easily made. Hello there, old chap. All right. So everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever, Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash fallout lore and you can get an extra three months of expressvpn for free that's expressvpn.com slash fallout lore expressvpn.com slash fallout lore to learn more good to see another of general atomics finest still eager to serve
All right, Wastelanders, Vault Dwellers, thank you for joining me again. And I'm just going to interrupt the middle of the show real quick to let you guys know that we are supported by our patrons, of course. And I'm actually changing some things up with our Patreon starting next week. Is it next week? On our next patron episode, I will be putting up on Patreon for our tier two and higher patrons the unedited extended versions of our future patron episodes. So this means that you will get the pre-show conversations, the post-show conversations, and the unedited full version of those episodes. And I'm excited about this because there are all sorts of funny bits and pieces that I don't get to include in the episodes that you guys will get to hear because our patrons are awesome and we have some really fun conversations before and after the show and even some of the stuff that doesn't fit into the episode that gets edited out in the middle. So I'm excited for you to be able to listen to that. So if you are interested in getting access to that content, then you just need to subscribe at a tier two level or higher on patreon.com slash lorecast. So go check that out. Also, I want to make a big announcement about some things I'm doing on my Twitch account. From now until the rest of the year, well, until the election at least, and maybe longer, all of the money that I raise from my Twitch channel, so subscriptions, bits, donations on my Twitch channel, will be going directly to represent.us, represent.us, I don't know how to pronounce it, but represent.us, which is an organization that fights against corruption in the government, and I believe strongly in the need for anti-corruption in the U.S. government, and it doesn't matter if you are liberal or conservative, if you lean one way or another, we can all agree on that corruption in the government is a problem and that all of our votes should count and that the people should determine what happens with policy in the United States when it comes to elections and the way the government is run. And that is something that I will be supporting as much as possible with your help. So if you are interested in helping me with that, twitch.tv slash Robots Radio is the place to go, and you can use your free Amazon Prime, Twitch Prime subscriptions to support the channel, or you can, you know, drop some bits or or just drop a subscription or do whatever while I'm streaming. And if you've been enjoying some of the gameplay streams I've been doing, then that's the place to go to check that stuff out. Make sure you follow the channel and you click the notification button so you know when I stream. Usually it's evenings, but sometimes I stream during the days. And now we're going to get back to my interview with Juicehead. Enjoy. If you have any questions about Nuka World, I'd be delighted to answer them. Tangentially, you have cryptids, but then with cryptids, you also have, uh, like, we're going into, like, the weird kind of wildly weird stuff that happens in and around the edges of Fallout. Yeah. But then you have, like, the eldritch gods and, like, the ancient things, you know, like, I can imagine a dungeon underneath the ground somewhere where you awaken some sort of ancient terror and it's you know it's really just a giant cryptid under the ground or something but yeah it's you know there's there's a cult or maybe the mothman cult like summons something from underneath the you know appalachia itself and you have to go put it down so it doesn't destroy everybody like you could you could go so many different directions with this 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 is what's exciting about this game is that it's just going to keep evolving and it's something that we talk about on the fallout hub all the time uh, this idea that like at any at any moment that you play the game you are in the game in that moment and things will change and you won't ever go back to exactly that moment in the game yeah exactly yeah i think it's exciting because i mean i don't know if this is all going to come out in time like I think a lot of people are like when they saw Bethesda put Steel Dawn for uh, like what what was it fall and then the big DLC for winter 2020. I'm like, really, are you going to yeah. manage to get all this content out this year? So, I mean, we'll see. But either way, it's like just for the next few months, like after the next month, we kind of have no idea how exactly a lot of the content will work or what some like what is Steel Dawn? What is that quest line? Like mm-hmm. I I couldn't tell you any. There's no data mines about it. There's no nothing about it. And I think that could, I don't know. It gets me excited for the future of the game again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm very excited, especially with the way that they can take these stories and, and expand them out. I think that this is a wonderful yeah. palette. It's a wonderful, uh, I don't know, framework that you can build those things around. And I think that that's one of the things that they've really 
um, done a good job maintaining the potential for yeah. that makes sense. Like, they, you know, clearly this has been a big experiment from the beginning and there are things that they did better and things that they did worse. And, you know, they've, they're continuing to update and, you know, fix things and try to make things better. Um, and a lot of the things they've, they've been doing, uh, have, have improved. You know, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on, uh, moving through the board game and all of the, all of the, the changes that have come out this summer? I actually think the battle pass or season that people get mad that I call it a battle pass, even though it is one, the season system is, uh, a really good addition, but I don't know. It's a good addition. It's a good like background feature something to have going on always like i like how this is kind of a permanent thing somewhat that we'll keep seeing throughout the rest of 2020 and probably 2021 because it's fun to work towards while you're playing the game you bang out a few challenges get a cool new cosmetic or like a feature like the uh ammo converter that well once the update gets updated (laughs) that'll be a cool feature right right but uh and it's on its own i don't like i haven't been logging on every day to grind it out because i just i don't know i can't be bothered to just do another grind but once new content is there and i log on to play the new content then i won't mind doing the grind i think the feature itself on a conceptual level and even how it's integrated right now is good but i'm not someone who's just going to log on to do a grind for one skin i don't really care that much about having my armor look slightly different right right for me i've um this has actually resonated with me uh, a lot. And and it's funny because I'm not the kind of person who will grind out every little thing in mm-hmm. a game. Um, but what it does do, what it does do, <laughs> what it do do is yeah. um, it, it gives me a reason to want to jump back in to just, it, it's like a, and I, I know this doesn't make some sense to some people because it's not like you couldn't do this before with unlocking stuff that gave you atoms or whatever. But because it's a limited time thing yeah. it makes me feel like if i don't do it i'm going to miss out on something yeah so when i'm when i'm sitting down in the evening and i've got an hour or two to just play something i'm much more likely to think you know i didn't jump back into fallout again today or i didn't do it yesterday i should probably move myself on that board a little bit so i can get yeah. to that eventually get closer to that one thing on there that i really wanted you know and it, it draws me back in more regularly. And I think that that's exactly what those kinds of mechanics are supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't make me feel manipulated, which is also what it's, it's supposed to do. It makes me feel rewarded for wanting to jump back in and maybe finish that quest line that I never finished. Because while I'm doing that, I can knock out some of my my daily goals. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think it's a really good addition. Yeah, it, it works. It works well for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what else have you been doing with? Fallout. Have you, have you, you said you haven't been grinding this stuff out so much. You have any, yeah. uh, uh, you know, like what is, what is your, uh, regular gameplay like? Do you play with other people? Do you tend to do things on your own? I, I normally, I think a lot of times it's because I'll play so much Fallout f- while filming that I've just, when there's not new content, I don't really play a ton in my free time because, like, I don't know, the it's other your day job, I right? The it's Fallout like work. Book. Yeah. Yeah. So I filmed a Fallout 4 video, which obviously a different game, but so I played Fallout 4 for like seven hours. Wow. And I was like, after that, I didn't want to jump on Fallout 76 and grind out a few challenges. Like I kind of wanted, like I tend to in my free time play totally different genres, which I think is funny. Yeah. I almost avoid RPGs because I feel like I play it for work almost. But a lot of times with Fallout 76, when there's like a new wave of content, I'll play a lot in my free time like with wastelanders i was putting in i think some days i was like basically playing 16 hours and 24 hour a 24 hour session because i loved it i had so much fun with that wow. and even when nuclear winter came out i played a bunch not recording and stuff but right now i feel like a lot of the stuff where it's more grindy uh, i just i don't know after playing the game for the video i don't find myself jumping back on to play more when the camera's off because i, I just i don't know i feel like i kind of got my fix yeah. while recording yeah no that's a, it totally makes sense i i get fatigue on things too um and i'm fortunate now to focus a lot of my time on doing the, these podcasts and the network and, and mm-hmm. those kinds of things so i'm very much regularly thinking fallout stuff i'm thinking elder scroll stuff or you know whatever oh, yeah, my shows too. are on and then i'm you know managing a community on our discord and i'm kind of watching the conversations around things but there are definitely times say like at the end of the day where i've like even if I haven't been in the game, I've been in that headspace 
for yeah. so long that I'm I just like turn off the discord and I'm just it's not that I'm just like done talking to people it's more of I just need to think about something different for a while mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah, that, it's fatiguing that, that you know resonates yeah well, not so much the or the, I guess the fatigue sometimes but I like even though I don't play Fallout 76 every day I definitely read or think about right. it every day yes. I, like yes. spend a considerable amount of time reading or thinking about it like keeping up to date with what is going on with the game because I feel like that is where a lot of the news happens like if it's a ban wave or this recent duper ban wave, like I'm not seeing that in game because right. I didn't dupe, so I'm not right. getting banned. But right. you have to plug into the community. You've got yeah, to, exactly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you know, but then at some point you have to kind of turn that off. You need to do something else mm-hmm. with your brain for a little while, and then you yeah. do that long enough, and you go, oh, let's look, look, go back, and and you, it's yeah. like you get refreshed, and then you go, oh, I can't, look, I can't wait to go look back and check in on that other thing again, and then all of a sudden you plug back in. So, um. Yeah. So this is interesting. I'm sure a lot of people would be interested in a little bit of your uh, kind of behind the scenes mechanics. Like when it comes to making a video or um, like, and you've got a few different styles of videos you do. You have some of these more like news focused videos where you, you mm-hmm. underlie it with gameplay from, you know, one of your 16 hour sessions. I'm sure you're taking yeah. out sections of that and kind of chopping it up, putting it in there. And then you're overlaying things on top of it, like images or, you know, text or whatever that reinforces the thing you're talking about. You've got the new stuff, but then you've got like other videos where you're, it's, it is way more about like actually being in the game and doing the thing. Yeah. Um, when it comes to doing videos like this, what, what is your process? Like, how do you go about creating? Um, I guess if it obviously varies from one to the other, like some videos like with Fallout 76 overall, because I think, there's just, I've made way more news videos on Fault 76 than new content videos. It tends to be kind of compile the information first. And like I'll normally have a Word document and over the course of a week as things pop up, I'll like save that tab. and like, okay, when I make the next news video, that's going to go in it. Or sometimes even I'll have a bunch of content or a bunch of news, but the video will end up being so long that I'm like, all right, I'm going to talk about this in the next one because it's not really time sensitive and then record the audio for that and then like fill in the background footage which some of it needs to be specific like if i'm showing off or talking about one specific thing but a lot of times it's just playing the game whether just me doing something to give you a background footage to fill the space right yeah Uh, sometimes it's the complete opposite where the video is basically dictated by the footage like with mod videos Mm -hmm. uh mostly for fallout 4 but occasionally Fallout or if it's new content for Fallout 76, I will play first and I'll kind of play the game mentally, sometimes take notes or actually write down notes and then write out a script or kind of lay out all of those ideas after playing the game. And then I record the audio last and then have all the footage done already. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, it's uh, I'm sure a lot of people would love to be making content and there's a lot of people who would. Oh yeah, you know, love to be in your or my shoes, you know, doing this more regularly Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. But like getting up to speed with this kind of thing is all about figuring out how the process works for you and putting it together and being efficient about it. Um, You know, you can't (laughs) you can't take hundreds of hours to do a video and then and then it gets you know seventeen plays and then you feel good about it. You know, like exactly you gotta figure out how how to make it work and then also how to get clicks. One of the things you and I were talking about before the before we started recording the episode was, you know, the getting plays on your videos and figuring out the YouTube algorithm and all that stuff. It's all yeah. It's all very difficult. It's a weird factor. Like this invisible hand that controls so much but nobody seems to really understand completely that you always have to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some days it'll just decide, you know what? Nobody, nobody should be watching this video. And you're like, yeah, it's a good video. Why not? Exactly. Yeah. Strange stuff. So this is, this is really interesting. Is there anything else that you've tapped into, uh, either from the data mining or from the community that would be worth, uh, bringing up and kind of sharing right now? I feel like part of the interesting part is that we don't have stuff like we're kind of right now hitting a point again that we saw somewhat um like i almost in a week away but also like last year where we don't really know what's next like we have this roadmap that bethesda provided but 
we've had data mines for or in the public test server a lot of the content like the wendigo colossus the legendary perks we've known about that stuff for months but we're kind of reaching the end of that info because now we're kind of transitioning into the next phase of the dlc cycle after we have this august dlc but as far as like the august stuff it's we basically know about everything we have the double score we have we know we're going to have this atlas event and we have all the data mines from that uh, Meat Week's coming back, and some of the new co- Meat Week itself seems to be the same, but there's going to be new rewards, so you could earn uh, a grill, and I forget what else. Uh-huh. But it, there's a new like cosmetics there. But then after that, and that's that, that's the part that is getting me really excited. It's kind of we'll probably get when the public test server goes live, not f- for the next patch. So that would be patch 22. There'll probably be a wealth of information because we'll gain access to that next build almost. So it's almost like I'm excited because we don't know much about what's coming next. Um, although we do have all these events, which I assume we'll hear something or see something in a trailer. We have the Xbox event, which I don't know if Fault 76 DLC is big enough for the Xbox event, but maybe. But also QuakeCon, I assume we'll see a trailer, and that's only three weeks away now or so. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's coming up soon. Thing I'm looking forward to because I imagine we'll see a Wastelanders S trailer where they'll really show us the big DLC coming later this year. Yeah, something. I'm, you know, it's time to it's time to show something. This is kind of, um, yeah, they, they didn't have an E3 this year. You know, this is this is the summer event. It seems. Yeah, yeah. So, um, to kind of end this, uh, to kind of round out the episode, um. If you were in charge of Fallout 76, what would be your, let's say next summer, let's say you've got, you've got a year, let's say you started a year ago and you started working towards something and the team was doing Wastelanders and you were in charge of doing like, okay, well, the thing that comes out after Wastelanders a year after that's out, like, where would you go with the game? Hmm. That's a good question. Cause there's a lot of. I think that'd be an, it's an interesting t- position to be in because there are easy answers like mod support where like I personally really want mod support, but I have a feeling with that Bethesda might hold on to it until the player count starts to drop or like, let's say they released Wastelanders and it didn't really hit their or the player count didn't hit their expectations. Mod support, not that it's easy to implement, but you always have that in your back pocket as like a boost to players. Obviously, people are going to stick around and love to play mods. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a technical innovation that doesn't require a lot of uh, character scripting and stories and yeah, exactly. new content specifically to the, way, that stuff. You kind of have your community help you monetize your game, which that's huge. But one of the big things I think they have an interesting challenge with it's in some ways, both a multiplayer and single player game. Like I know for me in Wastelanders, it was I basically played it like it was a single player fallout i I, there was people and things going on in the background but as i was doing quests i was by myself just talking to npcs as i have for years now so i think i don't know i I think a big focus would be trying to have different kind of initiatives on both fronts um whether it be new features that you could kind of transition outside of that single player scape like i think player vending is a good one where Mm -hmm. i'd be doing a few player quests that uh, they're multiplayer technically but and then transition to, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to go stop at this guy's shop. And then that might take me on, oh, I'm going to go interact with this guy at his shop, or I'll check out a few camps around the map. Oh, maybe I'll do an event now. So I, I think that cycle really lands with players and adding more to that. But I don't know, as far as what exactly, I think a base wars mode would be huge. I would love to see that myself. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, the nuclear winter mode's cool, but you have an audience that PVP wasn't a thing before this game and making a game mode where if you die, you literally have to start over in a different game. That's like pretty consequential. I think something where you could actually respawn or maybe where you could integrate building or teamwork could be really popular or really cool. Something faction focused, I think would be huge because you have all these factions, both the old ones and the new ones that people like 90% of Fallout discords right after you join you could pick what faction you want to align with but we don't have anything in game to really represent that so I oh think totally that could be yeah a cool thing or guilds even could be a cool thing to build on that's 
a, a multiplayer feature, but you could kind of integrate it with some of the single player content. But I don't know. I would love to see more of this kind of back and forth that they seem to be doing of a nice single player DLC, then a couple months of multiplayer content, and then back to single player DLC and just shifting back and forth. I think it's a good thing for the game. Mm-hmm. I like um, this idea of uh, base wars and like what comes to mind from that would be a clearly it wouldn't be something that happens in the in the main uh, server of the game. It would be like a nuclear winter type side mm-hmm. thing. But this idea that you could have like maybe two factions of like four or eight people and you're given 10 minutes to like build a base. You pick a spot on the map, you build a base, you set up your defenses and then you have some sort of uh, treasure or, you know, like a thing that the other team has to get and take or back. Even if they want to go lazy mode, just put it on one of the workshops. They have what, 10 workshops around the map. Yeah. Just let yeah. five verse five, let them build up the workshop or 10 verse 10, let them build up the workshop. Then people have to get it in and capture the flag or something. Right. I think that'd be awesome. Right. Yeah. And that. they need to not be too far apart so that you could actually like travel um, but yeah, you, you man, you could build something like that out. You could have perks that allow some people to move faster perks that allow pe- some people to do more damage, but you know, they're slower because they're in power armor, you know, like you could set up a whole mode around destroying each other's walls and bases in order to get in there and get the thing you need to steal and kind of a capture the flag kind of thing. I had this kind of, and I, ever since I had this experience, I've been kind of saying in videos periodically, I want a base wars, but it was the day or the day after nuclear winter came out and it was my squad of four people. And then across a field, another squad of four people, we both built little camps, like threw up walls and little guard posts and had like a five minute extended firefight across a field in our bases. And like my teammate would get down, I'd put up a wall to help revive them. And it was awesome. It was one of the most fun experiences I've ever had in the game. So ever since then, I've really wanted a base wars, like a proper base wars mode. Yeah, that would be very, very cool. I I could see some really cool ideas and, and I don't know, the community is endlessly creative. So this idea of like, how would you build a base to, to, you know, have the most defense in order to guard your area? Do you have towers where people can snipe from? Do you have, um, you know, what resources do you build? Do you make it harder for them to break down the walls or do you build more turrets? You know, like what combination of things make it almost impossible for somebody to break into your base? Yeah, that would be very, very cool. Um, I also like the idea of, of, of factions being able to de- to determine who you are, what faction you belong yeah. to, and that being kind of an in-game universal guild. And you have some sort of perks or connection to other people automatically when you're playing in the world with them. So if you decide that you are part of the Brotherhood, that you, you know, are yeah. connected to other players who are part of the like Brotherhood. Cosmetic that you could only get if you join the Brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, uh, they, they have those little... Uh, you know, little icons that they give you that everybody has their own little icon, depending on which yeah. one you want to use. Um, but to have something like a symbol on there that defines like this person is of this faction. Um, yeah. You know, and you can even extend that out. You know, once you have uh, established factions in the world, you know, like we, we have now we have settlers and wastelanders and eventually we're going to have the brotherhood showing up that like, by default, people lean more for or against you, depending on what faction they are as yeah. NPCs. Mm-hmm. And it might, maybe cool. it's a little bit harder to influence people who are by default against your faction. Even like an event, like all of the events we've had thus far, um, like Project Clean Appalachia, except who gets more, who donates more resources, which faction kills more Scorch Beasts? Whichever faction does that cumulatively gets a new vendor on the map or something like that. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many ways you could go with this stuff. Yeah. Awesome. It's just weird that they haven't, I don't know, factions are such a big thing in the Fallout universe. And like the Fallout community have really adopted factions so much for them to, I feel like they haven't capitalized on that at all, really. There's no, like you could dress yourself up as a faction, but from a gameplay perspective, there's almost nothing as far as factions go. Like even with the sellers and raiders, you don't really have like technically you side with one or the other, but like long term in the game, you could just grind both out. It's not really any different now who you sided with. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine that this is on the, you know, on the the table and that they've I probably bounced around a dozen ideas of how to make this actually work. You mentioned guilds. 
I, I feel like recently, um, like as a one-off, like, oh yeah, we have that. Like we're thinking about that, which is that uh, kind of different, but also in a similar vein would be really cool for the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the two things could be combined together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like something that's more of a traditionally called a guild, but then that aligns with a faction. Yeah. Well, cool stuff. Well, thanks for joining me. This has been uh, very enlightening and you've got me uh, thinking about all these possibilities of where we're going to go with the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we will definitely have to do this again in the future, especially once we have some more details on like the next set of things coming out and, and where things are going to go and kind of check in and see if any of our predictions actually <laughs> came to fruition here. So um, is there anything you want to tell the audience about how to get a hold of you or things that you're working on, things that you're exciting, excited about, things you want to rep? Yeah, I mean, you could find me mostly just on YouTube if you type in Juicehead. Um, I'm on Twitter too, but that's really it. And uh, yeah, I don't know. If you want to keep up to date with Fallout 76, whether it be new features, data mines, general news, that is, uh, I have pretty much cover everything more or less that happens with the game. So you could definitely check that out there. Yeah, multiple times a week. So yeah, you've got videos up all the time of all the latest stuff. So you're definitely uh, the one to plug into if you're if you're into that kind of thing. And I know a number of our listeners have have told me things like, "Well, I decided to pick up 76 because you talked about it on the show, and I'm really having fun with it." And people people yeah. said it was terrible, but it's actually a lot of fun. You know, like <laughs> like I'm sure you get comments about that kind of thing too. So um, if, all the time. Yeah, if if you are a newer or somebody who just has never plugged into the YouTube world of, you know, updates and things like that. Go check out Juice, Juice Head's channel because it's definitely a place to go for all of that that content. So thanks again for joining me, Juice Head, and um, I hope you have a, a good rest of your day and uh, Wastelanders, Fault Dwellers, you guys stay safe out there and I will see you again next week. Talk to you guys later. To plug into everything else we're doing, check out robotsradio.net. Also, look up the Robots Radio YouTube for videos about Fallout and other things. And check us out on Twitter, twitter.com slash robotsradio. This podcast was brought to you in part by our patrons at patreon.com slash falloutlorecast, including our tier five patrons. Thank you so much to Firewriter for supporting the show. Also, if you're interested in business inquiries, advertising on the show, or applying to be a podcast on the Robots Radio Network, send me a message at falloutlorecast at gmail.com or robotsnetwork at gmail.com.